Your story might be the very thing someone needs to hear in order to keep going. Hi, I'm Shara, and you're listening to Life Stories. Hi, friends. If you're listening to this episode, this is episode 11, part 2. I'm sure if you're here, you've listened to episode 11, part 1. At the end of part 1, we left off where my friend Jennifer had been trafficked and she was getting out of the situation she was put in. And in the second part, she talks about how her life changed after that trauma, the people that helped her and how she lived after that, what her life was like. Thank you so much for listening to these. I know they're longer than my normal podcasts, but they're so important. This is such an important story. And I encourage you to share these episodes with anyone you think might benefit from hearing them. Let's go back to your story when you, they said you had to get out and you, uh, your mom kept calling. Tell us what happened. After yeah. That. So, so they, they had me leave and they, and listen, I will be very frank here. My memory from this from this moment and how I got home is very blurred. The lines are very blurred because of, you know, the trauma that is there with that and the drugs that I was on in this right. moment. But I remember coming out, I got my backpack and they brought me to the bus station and it's the middle, it's like 3 a.m. at this point. So they brought me to the bus station and that was how I got home was the bus station by myself and I really don't remember much about it because the buses didn't even run so that means that I I would have had to have slept at the bus station and then gotten up and gone wow. yeah and so those are those like I said that memory is very blurred but what I did get home and I never talked about this I didn't talk about this happening to me until I was married and I didn't have a name for it. I didn't know that I was trafficked. I didn't, I had no idea. So what did you tell your mom? Well, nothing. I just told her I was out with a friend, you know? Um, and that's kind of the thing is as a teenager, it's expected that our kids are going to just be, you know, like our, I, I have times now where, um, I say, Hey, how are you? Fine. You know, and working with youth, I'm like, how was your week? Good. Right. Eh, it was fine. And getting them to open is like opening right. a hard shell something. You know, it's like trying to pry something open to get yes. inside. So, yes. you know, I, I can't, I don't even remember the conversation, but I just know I didn't have to say anything. It was just, uh, I was home and I just, yeah, went on with kind of life. But I wasn't the same after this. And oh, I'm sure your body, when something traumatic happens, your body keeps the score in such a way that it is, it tells a story on its own, how you now react to things, the trajectory that you go down because of these things. And so I can remember going back to school and I was so much harder now. Like I felt so much harder and I really fell into this thing where I started fighting at school, uh, physically fighting at school. 
I was skipping school a lot. I mean, I was not at school more than I was at school. I would get up, Mm. I would walk to the bus station, and I would just ride the bus around to wherever I wanted to go. So I really was, I wasn't at school. I, when I was at school, I was fighting or I was being disrespectful to teachers. You know, I really was in such a deep, dark place. And it was like a, a light, like just the light turned off, like something just happened. I, you know, look back at this and I'm thankful for the people that the Lord put in my life at this time, because I can look back and there are other kind of things and situations that were happening as well, because as my behavior got worse, my relationship with my mom got worse. And so she was not physically able to discipline me or to, there was no, for me, I was in such a dark place that I wasn't going to let her tell me what to do. I was just going to do. And because of that, and because of her, her neurological illness, which led to mental illness, this led to the only way she knew how to deal with me was verbal abuse. And so that added on to me acting out. And so it was just this snowball effect of thing after thing. And really what happened was that my, one of my brothers, I'm the youngest of the six children in my family. I was going to ask you that. Yes. Yeah. So one of my older brothers, he um, would come and find me and literally Wednesday and Sunday, He would just come and he would pick me up. It didn't matter where I was. I could be high. Like it didn't matter. He would come, he would find me, he would pick me up and he would take me to church with him. And I was so annoyed at him at the beginning. (laughs) (laughs) I really was so annoyed. And he had, the Lord had changed his heart so much and he had been in such a, just a good place. And he also knew He knew that something wasn't right. He knew what I had been through, not the trafficking situation, but with losing our dad and our mom being sick and uh, the fact that I was doing drugs and things. He knew those things. And so he had such the the Lord used him. He would pick me up and his, the authority that the Lord gave him, I just submitted to in that. And I am so thankful for that. And so he would pick me up and he would bring me to church and the church that he brought me to is a little Baptist church and they just loved on me so well. They never said anything like, why are you dressed like that? Why I dressed like, right. Like I was, I dressed in, you know, very, not very modest clothing. And, and so they never questioned those things and they always spoke the truth in a loving way. Now, fast forward two years in my junior year of high school, I'm still doing all of these things, but I'm also, I've now built some relationships with these students in this youth group. And so I am kind of known Mm -hmm. by them as this rough kind of rough and tumble girl. And we Mm -hmm. went to, uh, I went to a couple of youth camps with them, a couple of like youth conferences with them 
But I remember specifically we went to one that Louis Giglio was speaking at. And yeah, it was oh, wow. it was called Acquire the Fire was what it was called. And it was Oh, I yeah. remember that. And so we went. It was beautiful. Yeah. Carrie Job was doing worship. Yeah. Louis Giglio was there. I mean, it, it was great. And so I remember wow. Louis Giglio hit one of his his sessions. He talked about how we can all put on this mask and we just pile on thing after thing. But the reality is none of those things are who God created us to be. And he gave this altar call for us to pull off the mask and give our raw selves to the Lord. And the Holy Spirit just completely wrecked me. And I, you know, gave my life to him completely that day. And I can remember, I mean, I'll never forget the feeling of just the weight of carrying all of these things. It was like it just became so much lighter in that moment. I'm forever thankful for for that and just how the Lord used so many people and so many things to just draw me to him. I can't imagine course i mean i only know you as i know you now so i can't imagine you being this rough (laughs) and you know hard person like i just it's hard for me to even picture that because you're just so sweet but it's it still just blows me away that you were able to walk away from that situation because i know that's not the norm and i mean it was just a miracle that you were able to do that you know you talked about uh, doing some private investigating work. And I know you volunteered for different places that went and, and looked for these kids. How did you get involved in that? And, and what did that look yeah. like for you? So, um, so I got, after I got saved, I kind of went down this, this path now that I was fully sold out for the Lord. And I was like really working on like spiritual healing and all of that. And I met my mm-hmm. husband at at a, this, we weren't married, obviously, but when I when I met him, he was serving, and at this other church that I had visited a few times, and after he and I got married, we had a friend of ours who spoke at the church, and her speech was about human trafficking, and she talked about it, and when she put a name to the situation, all of these like alarms went off in my head and my body. And I was like, Whoa, that is me. Like that is what happened to me. And so I finally had a name for this thing that was happening. So I told my husband what I, what happened and he immediately encouraged me to go to counseling. So I, I did, I got into, it was, it was actually, I got into a sexual abuse recovery group. And during that time, I got mm-hmm. with the friend who, uh, her name is actually Lindsay Speed. She's the director of Traffic 911 now. And she was like, uh-huh. hey, yeah, well, while you're doing that, why don't you just come volunteer with us? And so I went and did outreach ministry with them. And it was just an entry into seeing how mm-hmm. this organization loves on these girls and goes out into the community. I mean, it was such a beautiful thing. And they don't do that specific outreach, but that organization specifically targets the victims and advocates for them and cares for them in such a beautiful way. And so I'm going through sexual abuse recovery. 
I had stopped volunteering with Traffic 911 because they stopped doing that specific outreach ministry. And the counselor Mm -hmm. who was leading the abuse recovery group that I was in, she had me stay after and she just told me, hey, I know a woman who is starting an organ or has started a human trafficking organization. Would you mind if I connect you with her? And I was like, okay, yeah, sure. And so she connected me with uh, Rebecca Jower. She's the founder of Poema and Poema Foundation. Yes. Yes. And Rebecca and I, when we met, we connected instantly. Uh, She was such a mama bear and I could see her heart for this ministry as a whole. And so she and I met once a month, sometimes more, but we met once a month with a small group of other volunteers getting Poema off the ground. And I was able to then implement the, uh, with her help, I implemented this outreach program that Traffic 911 had decided to not do anymore. And so I implemented that and mm-hmm. they've been using that model and they're still using it. I I volunteered with them for about six years. And then, you know, with kids oh, wow. and everything, I just had to slowly kind of detach myself. And I have um, I go and do speaking arrangements and different things now whenever she needs me. But, um, but yeah, it's their right. outreach program is still going on. It's grown. I mean, whenever I started it, we had three campuses and I think they have like 12 or 15 now. I mean, it's all over. It's multi-state. Wow, it's awesome. It's a wonderful thing that they've been able to do. But more, not more importantly, but just something that touches my heart so much that they do is they have a home for women where they uh, are bringing in Mm-hmm. victims and helping them learn how to navigate life and be productive members of society and helping them go through counseling and get jobs and wow. all kinds of things. And so they have a house. Yeah. I think that they are working on building another house. And I know that there are some things uh, Rebecca has as far as vision goes. I just am not sure how much she shared. And while yeah. I was working doing the outreach program there, um, I got connected with the founder of For the One Foundation. And For the One Foundation is a group Mm -hmm. of private investigators, licensed private investigators and other volunteers who work together to actually get missing kid. So someone's teenager goes missing. If it's a runaway case, then they will take it and help locate that teen, hopefully before they get into a nasty situation. Mm -hmm. So I got connected with them and I was able to, um, I I never got my PI license. So I always assisted the PIs, but I am very good at social media. And because I had, I knew the lingo, I knew Mm -hmm. how the kids talked, I knew what all of the words meant. So I really ended up just becoming the training coordinator over all of that. And anytime we would connect with a youth that was missing, it was like, Hey, Jennifer, how do we talk to this person without them knowing that we're a 40 something year old human? Yeah. <laughs> um, and so connecting with right. them and really, you know, they do such amazing work in locating missing kids um, and getting them into safety before 
they have to go because really here's the thing the statistic is staggering when a child runs away from home they have about 48 hours before they are going to um statistically like meet a pimp and so that 48 hour window is what for the one foundation really tries to work on and it doesn't always happen it sometimes it it takes longer and there are many times where um and I'll just tell a quick story if you don't mind I can specifically remember a time when we were looking for a girl and she had kind of been off the radar but I got her to respond to my account on snapchat and I talked to her for a while and I asked her you know if I could meet up with her and her response was, if you bring me food. And then she proceeded to tell me she hadn't eaten in days. And she just wanted some chicken nuggets from wow. McDonald's. And so we were able to mm-hmm. connect with her. We did we did actually bring her food. But we connected law enforcement straight to her and got her picked up. And the home that she was at, it was just a terrible situation. And so our PIs were able to be on the scene at the time with the police officers and intercept, you know, this whole kind of relationship, our law enforcement's gotten so much better. But for such a long time, law enforcement didn't know what to do with these cases. And so they just, you see a teenager running away and your first instinct is to shame them and think, oh, well, there you go. Just another kid disobeying their parents. But there's just so much more to these stories and these situations. And the brain of, sure. of children is not developed enough to be able to make decisions like our brains are. So as a mom, you know, you like you said, you have a daughter that is getting close to the age that you were when your life kind of started spinning out mm-hmm. of control, I guess. Have you talked to her about any of this or how do you talk to her about, you know, without scaring her, it's like you said, there's got to be a balance between being overprotective and then wanting to, to keep her safe. How do you talk to her about that? You know, the thing I love about Christianity and the Bible is that God lays out these situations and scenarios for us in the Bible. So where we can use real life and connect it to this sin, because the reality is there's no new sin under the sun. It just looks different in different times. And right. so we, re- I really, yeah. I always, we do our daily devotionals, our daily, we have, I mean, this girl is so analytical and very curious and I'm like, I love it. But also there are times where I'm like, okay, we got to slow down a little bit. But you know, the one thing with her yeah. is, and my second, my middle child is getting to this point. He is five and turning six next month with my first, you know, Mm -hmm. she is aside from all the tips I gave earlier about body and conversations and all of that, you know, we talk about things like, you know, how our bodies react to things. We talk about the reality of different, basically everyone doesn't have our best interest at heart. And the reality is Unless we know Jesus, we are turned inward and we're selfish, you know? And even sometimes when we know him, we still have a tendency to turn inward and be selfish. 
And that is our human nature. It's our sin nature, right? Like we have a tendency to turn inward and look at what is going to be best fitting for me in this moment. And so we talk about those things in a way Mm -hmm. that's relatable to her. And I think that's really helped to be able to point to, you know, look at these stories in the Bible and let's look at these real life kind of stories that are happening And she knows the work that I've done. So, I I mean, I think that's helpful. Now, she Mm -hmm. doesn't know, like, she doesn't know what sex is. And she doesn't know, like, yeah, it's very much age appropriate, right? Like, the conversations are very much age appropriate. Right, right. I just have such a desire for her to be kind of mentally prepared. And, you know, and I think that's every parent's desire. It's like, we don't want our kids to be surprised by something or taken and we just want that at least communication door to be open where they always feel comfortable coming and asking questions even if that answer is I don't even know the answer to that but let's chat about it at dinner tomorrow you know give me some time to research this right right well I am so thankful that you were able to get out of that situation Mm -hmm. so quickly and I'm really thankful that you have been able to do the work that you have to help because I, I can't imagine if my daughter had left or had been taken or whatever, like I would be Mm -hmm. so overwhelmed with even knowing what to do. Like I would feel paralyzed as far as I don't even know where to begin. You know what I mean? I'm thankful that you are, have been willing to help parents and help these ministries because you have such insight into that world. And now, you know, you've heard about the massage parlors and, you know, what they really are, but I never thought about a donut shop. (laughs) I never thought about, no, I know it's ironic laughing about it, but it just blows my mind. I would Mm -hmm. never have thought about that, but now I can promise (laughs) you that I will. You know, we talk about girls and girls Mm -hmm. being taken and girls being lured away, but, but is it an issue for boys as well? Or is this, no, it is. Um, it is both. And actually, um, we've dealt with, which, by the way, just I want to say, I'm not currently volunteering. I have great relationships with all of these organizations, but with motherhood mm-hmm. and career and all of those things, I'm taking a break. But with mm-hmm. the time that I did spend there, um, the amount of cases, you know, boys, it is more challenging because men and the male species in general tends to internalize things a lot more and not talk as much, you know? Right. And so it's harder. And also Mm -hmm. the methods used are very different. Girls, the female species, we tend to be a lot more emotional and um, driven by our Mm -hmm. emotions. And so we will run away from home and go into the arms of someone else, you know, whoever the first person is that shows us some sort of sympathy or whatever. With boys, the grooming looks different. And just an example of of what that is, um, I know, and this hits home for me because I have a lot of nephews and they're all gamers. Like they love playing video games. Mm -hmm. And there was a, Mm -hmm. a young boy, he was 13 years old. And he was a gamer. This is a a case that we had. And when he was gaming, there was someone that he was gaming with. It was actually a woman who was on, who was gaming. 
And she got to know him and convinced him to leave home and catch a flight out to where she was. I think she was in Ohio. And so thankfully, I mean, with the PIs, I mean, they're so skilled and so passionate. I mean, we were able to locate Mm -hmm. in no time because, I mean, she bought a plane ticket, right? I'm like, come on, lady. Uh, which I'm glad right. that she was an idiot because we right. were able to locate her quick. But, yes. Um, but, you know, the yes. point is, yeah, like our boys and the the techniques that are used um, to lure them. And this is why there's so much shame built in around this. Because, for instance, me, the shame that I felt because right. this was my friend. This is someone that I trusted right? how, you know, and this is just the thought, how stupid am I that I just was so easily manipulated into this. Right. And the same can go for it. I mean, it goes for a lot of situations. We can all think of a situation in our life where we're like, Oh my gosh, I should have known better. I should have done this differently. I should have done that differently. Mm -hmm. And so all of the things Mm -hmm. that go into that, you know, and talking about, especially our, our youth, when their brains are so underdeveloped, being lured into that, there's so much. And right. um, but yes, there are, and actually, eighty percent of male abductions happen uh, with boys from twelve to seventeen years old. And with females, it is going to say, you know, it is high like that for females, and especially when you talk about like cases deemed runaway. Um, but the age of 12 right. to 15, just period, um, male or female, but yes, males, uh, it is happening and it is really the less detected thing. That's wild. So before we go, you know, you talked about when your kids are little, you know, being honest with them and real about their bodies and how they're changing and what are, what are some practical things parents can do obviously knowing where your kids are who they're with or you know what else what are some other suggestions for parents to just be aware of this kind of mm-hmm. craziness out in the world oh man yeah you know i think that line of communication i talked about the apps and having that putting find your friends right. or whatever app it is that you can have on the cell phone so that you can always know where they are mm-hmm. and also like listen, sometimes we've got to kick it old school and say, who's the parent of who you're going to hang out with? And because uh, I can remember, gosh, I spent all my time at the skating rink, lock-ins. I mean, it was always so fun. And we want our yeah. kids and we should let our kids do things like that. So there's such a, a balance to be had. But when it comes to our teenagers, right. uh, you know, we really have to we have to make them aware of the realities without them feeling like we're just trying to scare them. And that's such a hard balance, especially with teenagers. It really is. My biggest kind of like tips really are around having the find your friends thing or whatever app on monitoring their cell Mm -hmm. phone time. And as your kids get older like those conversations have to be ongoing. Mm-hmm. It can't just be a one-time conversation, but that communication right. has to be a thing that is maintained and open so that they always feel like they can talk about things. Um, and so that is, that, it's so important. It is. It's very important. 
Uh, one thing that I learned, and I, you know, this wasn't, I'm sure this was an issue when my daughter was a teenager. It just wasn't talked about as much. One thing that I had to learn with her and with all my kids really, but was to not react when they would tell me something crazy, have a straight face and listen and, you know, comment a little bit. And I could totally Mm -hmm. freak out when they walked away, (laughs) but I knew if I freaked out when they told me they weren't going to tell me anything anymore. And I wanted to know what was going on. Yes. Being kind of quick to listen and still slow to respond is that is such a hard thing to Mm -hmm. learn and do but it makes such a big impact on on them because I I mean yeah and and I really try that with my kids even is they always come to me I mean and they're young now so they're like mom so and so did this and blah 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 blah, blah." going on and on it's like full on like I don't want to say tattle mode but that's what they're doing and so even at that age taking a step and being like okay and not being reactionary and it all just leads up to ultimately like having them be able to tell you stuff later. I am so thankful that you talked to me today and shared your story. I think it's going to be eye opening for a lot of people. You know, I just think this is such an important topic and it's not talked Mm -hmm. about enough. It's just Mm -hmm. so very foreign to me because Mm -hmm. we think it's somewhere else, you know, And obviously it's not, it's right here in our backyard. Absolutely. So thank you very much for sharing. Um, Well, thanks for having me on.